Mum, I'm hungry. What's for dinner? Quote, Otie Matsy Matsuno, aged twenty-something. Matsuyo didn't look up from the laundry she was folding. I'm not sure. You should be asking Karamatsu. Osimatsu paused and narrowed his eyes. Why? Matsuyo deftly snapped a pair of jeans into the air to straighten them. Because he's the one who's been making dinner lately. You didn't know? Hmm? No, Osimatsu did not know. And now that he did, he didn't know what to do with the information. So, naturally, his first course of action was to force his brothers to share his astonishment with him. Osimatsu ran upstairs and yanked open the door to their collective bedroom, shouting, Hey, something weird's going on! Karamatsu is making dinner! The other four looked up without a trace of surprise in their expressions. Charamatsu cut the awkward silence short. Uh, yeah. What, you just found out? Osimatsu deflated. What, so you all knew and you didn't say anything? How long has this been going on? I guess since around the time we all went out for drinks with Matsuri-san, Todomatsu estimated. He didn't peel his eyes away from his phone as he spoke. At first he was just watching Mum, and then he started helping her. And somewhere along the line he took over completely. Ugh, why'd you have to bring that up? Ichimatsu grumbled. It's so sickening. I, I mean, not the food. It, food tastes alright, but the idea that Shichimatsu is cooking for us. That's disgusting. You're welcome to cook for yourself if you hate it so much, Choromatsu suggested. He then buried his face in his book to take cover from the venom-tipped daggers Ichimatsu glared at him. If you ask him to make something, he will, Jushimatsu said. Unless you ask for it three days in a row. Then he stops after the second day. But, if you wait a few more days and ask again, he'll make it. Osimatsu reflected on just how frequently they'd been having katsudon lately, even though it was a dish their mother didn't often prepare. What the hell, Karamatsu? he exclaimed, horrified. What kind of neat does the cooking? What's coming over you? But Karamatsu couldn't answer, because he'd been sent out on a grocery errand and wasn't at home. And also, to a degree, because he was a little embarrassed by the answer. Karamatsu had a lot going for him. He was handsome, he was stylish, he was confident, he was cool, he was charming, and he was pretty great at waxing poetic. That is to say, Karamatsu didn't have a lot going for him. If he were being completely and totally honest with himself for once in his life, he wasn't entirely sure why Matsuri gave him the time of day. And she did in fact give him the time of day, for plenty of days. In the two-ish months or so that had passed since the evening he'd introduced Matsuri to his brothers, they'd spent quite a bit of time in one another's company, both over the phone and in person. She never complained that they didn't go anywhere or do anything fancy or expensive. She laughed and smiled all the same, even when they were just walking around randomly. Even so, Karamatsu was uneasy. Eventually, inevitably, she would wise up, realise what kind of person he was, and put an end to their warm and pleasant relationship. Painful. If Karamatsu were recounting the feeling as a story to someone else, that was the one and only word he would be able to find to describe it. It was a feeling that clawed up from the pit of his stomach and expanded to fill his chest. It suffocated him if he dwelled on it for too long at a time. He loved her, didn't he? Karamatsu wasn't really entirely sure anymore. He was happy just spending time with Matsuri, just walking beside her, even just hearing her voice. He didn't need the gratification of being told he was cool, although he certainly wouldn't turn it down when offered. He didn't need to feel validated by having someone who would listen to him, although that really was quite nice. I want to make you smile. Yeah, it was that kind of feeling. Once he arrived at that conclusion, Karamatsu found it difficult to keep to himself. But, well, it was kind of embarrassing. It was practically a confession of love, after all, 
and even cool guys, trademark, could be a little shy about their feelings. Karamatsu knew this to be so because he was a cool guy, trademark, and he was being shy about his feelings. So there. And so, taking to heart Matsuri's wisdom was a chef's feelings shine through in their cooking. Karamatsu had decided to pick up some culinary skills. He made a promise with himself. If he could make something tasty enough that his brothers acknowledged it, he would put his abilities towards making something for Matsuri and use that as a basis for delivering his confession. His arms laden with bags from the store, Karamatsu wrestled open the door to the Matsune family home and slid it closed with the heel of his foot, giving a muttered, I'm home. He started towards the kitchen. Honestly speaking, the idea that he might eventually fulfil that promise was almost so nerve-wracking that it was tempting to pretend he had never made it in the first place. If Matsuri was put out by it, it could very well spell the end of the friendship he'd come to cherish so much. And so it came as something of a relief that none of Karamatsu's brothers seemed to think anything in particular about his cooking. Jushimatsu ate so quickly that Karamatsu doubted if he really tasted it. Karamatsu was usually distracted by the task of doling out retorts to various comments. Ichimatsu always seemed pretty apathetic about meals. Todomatsu wasn't likely to speak up, even if he did think it tasted good. And Osematsu. Karamatsu was fairly sure that the eldest son didn't even know he was the one doing the cooking. I'll come home. Speak of the devil. Osimatsu stood at the bottom of the stairs, looking mildly bored. Thanks. Osimatsu tilted his head discerningly. Was he waiting for something, or... Hey, Karamatsu, I'm hungry. What's for dinner? Karamatsu glanced down at the grocery bags. Spaghetti carbonara, he replied. Churamatsu's request. Spaghetti what? Is that some kind of fancy French crap? Like the snails or something? Snail spaghetti? Karamatsu could recognise without fail one of Big Bro's attempts at cheering him up. It was a little on the flimsy side, but he reciprocated anyway. Non, non, mon frère. It's an Italian dish. Roman, to be more precise. It will take but thirty short minutes to prepare, so I entreat of you to have patience. Look forward to the sweet serenade of my expert cooking, for it will surely seduce your taste buds. Otimetsu clutched at his chest and grunted in pain. That hurts, Karamatsu. A surprise attack. Karamatsu heard laughter in his brother's tone and cracked a smile himself before continuing onward to the kitchen. Well, like I said, half an hour. Hey. Osimatsu wandered off, leaving Karamatsu to handle the assembly of his recipe. first floor of the house fell quiet save for the burble of boiling water, the occasional clink of a pan, and Karamatsu's soft humming. As promised, there was a large dish of fresh pasta on the central room's circular table approximately 30 minutes later, and the Matsuno family began to assemble and fill their plates. A moment passed. Another. Silence. Karamatsu exhaled a soundless sigh of relief. It seemed today wouldn't be the day either, but that was okay. His heart wasn't exactly ready anyway. So good! Otimatsu's exclamation pierced the quiet room. Man, that's some tasty stuff. That's Romanian cuisine for you. Romanian? Todomatsu echoed. Where in the world did that come from? Carbonara's Italian. Karamatsu raised his hand. I told him it was Roman earlier. Osimatsu scoffed. Roman, Romanian, same thing. The point is that the pasta's good. Right, Churamatsu? Well, yeah, Churamatsu agreed. About it tasting good, I mean. Not about Roman Romania being the same thing. Because they're not. Damn straight. About it tasting good, not the unsolicited geography lesson. Jushimatsu, how about you? Jushimatsu turned to the eldest son, a string of pasta swinging from his lips as he did. He sucked it up and smiled wide. 
It's a king-size game-winning Grand Slam kind of flavour. Oshi Matsu nodded in satisfaction. Koli Matsu? What are you doing, Oshi Matsu-ni-san? Answer the question, Totti. Koli Matsu recoiled in suspicion. Well, it's good, I guess. Considering Karamatsu Nisan made it, Osimatsu turned next to the fourth son. And Ichimatsu, well, he's not going to say anything, but his plate's already half cleaned. So that speaks for itself, huh? Ichimatsu narrowed his eyes and wrinkled his nose, but stuffed another bite into his mouth nonetheless. Wait, hang on, hold on a minute, Karamatsu sputtered, lamenting the loss of that relief he'd been so glad to have just a little while ago. What's this about, Osimatsu? Osimatsu grinned and brushed his finger against his nose. Dunno, somehow it just felt like the thing to do. Curse you, sexlip at six cents. Karamatsu groaned out a long, noisy sigh. Haha, so I was right, wasn't I? Okay, well not all of us are telepathic, so would someone please explain? Todematsu said, exasperated. Karamatsu shook his head and waved his hand dismissively. It's nothing, mon frere, just something of a bet that I had with myself. And he'd lost it. Ugh. Well, but then he supposed he'd also won. After all, the point of the bet was to hearten him, to grant him courage. He wasn't feeling very courageous at the moment, but once he had a little time to collect himself and prepare, he was sure he... Ring! Ring! That's the sound of inconvenience calling! Jushimatsu reacted first, jumping up and springing to the entryway to answer the ringing phone. In the next instant, his voice carried all the way through the hall. Hello, Jushimatsu here! Uh, oh, Matsuri-san! Hi! Yep, I'm good. Okay. Karamatsu-ni-san, telephone. Karamatsu had more or less overcome the nerves and flutters that should accompanied speaking to Matsuri in the early stages of their relationship, but with his promise weighing heavily on his mind, they returned anew and in full force. Karamatsu stood from the table, jostling it as he did, and moved stiffly to the entryway to accept the handset from Jushimatsu, who trotted back to the main room. Hello? Hi, Karamatsu-kun. He heard the smile in her voice and relaxed. Matsuri-chan, what's up? It's rare to hear from you this time of day. Well, uh, I have a question, but let me give you the context first. Karamatsu leaned against the wall beside the cabinet. Of course, go ahead. You see, I'm actually in the middle of moving right now. Don't freak out. Karamatsu, who had just opened his mouth to freak out, closed it and awaited further elaboration. I've been looking for a place closer to where I work for a while now and I finally found one. It's a nice little place in a Katsuka ward. Really? That's the area I live in. No kidding! Who would have guessed? I mean, it must be ordained by fate. She giggled, and Karamatsu felt warmth spread through his core. But yes, I'm in the middle of moving. My dad was helping me, but he threw out his back today moving the furniture. So now I'm on my own. I really hate to bother you with this. Leave it to me, Karamatsu blurted. I'm happy to help. Oh, and I can make lunch, too. Matsuri gasped. No, 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 no. I couldn't possibly ask that of you. Not if you're already helping me with the moving. Karamatsu waved his hand in dismissal. You needn't be so apprehensive, my dear. I assure you, my culinary prowess has improved by leaps and bounds since our first escapade. Please, allow me to... Allow me the opportunity to make you smile. He swallowed, and his bravado left his voice. To handle lunch. If you're insisting, I guess. Don't think that I won't find a way to pay you back, though. Both for the lunch and for helping me move. You know I'll just pay you back for your payback after that. Oh no, it's like a Mobius strip of payback. They laughed together. 
That awful feeling of dread that had bloated in Karamatsu's chest recently felt like a far-off figment of his imagination. Matsuri gave directions to her address, arranged to meet Karamatsu in the morning, and thanked him profusely for his amenability before hanging up. Karamatsu returned to the main room, virtually erupting sunbeams. Matsuri-chan, huh? Osimatsu said, disdainful. Karamatsu nodded. Got a date lined up for tomorrow, huh? Todimatsu said, resentful. Karamatsu rubbed the back of his neck. Think you're better than us, huh? Ichimatsu said, scornful. Karamatsu shook his head and waved his hand. Ichimatsu whacked him with an unused plate anyway. Karamatsu spent the remainder of the evening preparing the promised lunch. There was no denying that he was nervous, but his newfound proficiency around the kitchen and the knowledge that his cooking actually tasted alright both served as major boosts to his overall morale. He packed all of the food items neatly into a pair of boxes, placed them in the refrigerator, and hunted down a way to occupy himself until it came time to turn in for the night. Morning came much faster than Karamatsu had expected it, and he wound up dragging himself out of the futon, only half-rested. It couldn't be helped, though. Matsuri's current residence... Former residence? Really was quite a ways away. Fortunately, Karamatsu was able to doze a bit on the train, and he arrived at Matsuri station feeling just a bit more alert. His remaining grogginess was shaken by the sight of her waiting at the platform. Matsuri-chan, I didn't think you'd be here to meet me, he said as he approached. She shrugged her shoulders. I finished packing the last few boxes, so I thought I'd take a break and come to greet you. And this way you don't have to get lost trying to find my house, so that's a plus. Karamatsu feigned offence. You think I'd get lost? Me, who has the guidance of the stars themselves? You might. It's daytime after all. She started forward, and Karamatsu followed. The walk to Matsuri's home was mercifully short compared to the duration of the commute between stations, and they arrived just as the neighbourhood was beginning to come alive. Matsuri's residence was an apartment on the second floor of an older complex. Charming, but a bit creaky. The interior was, predictably, rather barren. The walls were all blank, and any furniture that wasn't a feature of the apartment had already been removed. Boxes of various sizes were piled up here and there. All right, Matsuri said, stretching her arms over her head and flexing her fingers. Let's get started. Karamatsu set down the bag containing the packed lunches on the counter in the kitchenette and then he followed Matsuri's lead and began moving boxes. He couldn't stop his mind from wandering a bit as he did, however, and he wound up fretting over things to come. It was already this late in the game, and he still hadn't really puzzled out if this was supposed to be a romantic confession or not. Did platonic confessions even exist? Did they even mean anything if you were already friends? It would sound romantic, he figured. Truly, there was very little room to take a confession as anything but romantic. Truly, there was very little room to take his feelings as anything but romantic. What had started as merely being enamoured with the fact that there existed a person who would acknowledge him, without muttering behind his back or laughing in his face, had bloomed into something bigger and bigger the more time he'd spent with her. The way she spoke, the way she moved, the way she smiled, his head full of butterflies and shoujo bubbles. Karamatsu failed to notice the box that he was in the process of carefully dislodging from its perch atop another, until it toppled and crunched against the ground. Crunched? Karamatsu lipped the fallen box and was gripped with a sudden worry that there had been something fragile inside. He set down the load he was carrying and crouched beside the cardboard box. Had he broken something? Had he really just broken one of Matsuri's possessions while thinking about how much he liked her? Karamatsu righted the box and carefully undid the flaps to peer inside. There was a picture frame on top and he groaned in dismay as he noticed the ugly crack across the glass. 
Feeling shifted into something more akin to curiosity, however, when he realised what it was that had been framed. It was a scrap of paper, its edge frayed as if it had been torn from a small notebook. Numbers were scrawled thereupon. His phone number, written in his shaky handwriting. Ah, how nostalgic! Karamatsu remembered Matsuri's promise that she wouldn't discard the number he'd given her, but to think that she'd treated it with such care. Maybe he didn't have as much to fear in telling her about his feelings after all. If that was the case, though, then why, at the end of that first date, did she... He was glad it was only a regular picture frame that had broken, and not something irreplaceable, but nonetheless it would be irresponsible to pack it back up and pretend that nothing had happened. So Karamatsu took the frame from the box to bring and show to Matsuri, so he could apologise properly. As he did, he couldn't help that his eye wandered to the box's other contents. As it did, he couldn't help that the sight blanked his mind and froze him in place. Photographs. Mostly of him, though some were also of his brothers. Not in one single picture did any of the subjects appear to be aware of the camera. In fact, many of them were taken from quite a distance. Some even through windows. The pachinko parlour. The walkway beside the canal. The bridge. Gibbeters. And there was a notebook. A pocket-sized pad of paper with a blue ribbon tied to its spiral binding. The same that Matsuri had presented to him when he asked to give her his number. It was wrong, he knew it was wrong, but he still reached out, still opened the cover and flipped to a random page, still read what was written therein. The date, he noted, was from about a week prior to their first meeting at the 100 yen store. Today was a leather jacket. He always looks so good in it, but I wonder if he gets cold with just the tank top on underneath. Also, it might have been my imagination, but I think he was wearing a different pair of shoes from usual. They look more like the ones he uses when he's wearing the blazer. I wonder if something happened to the boots. I hope not. They're his favourite pair. Karamatsu realised that his throat had gone dry and swallowed thickly as he closed the notebook. Oh, you looked inside that box. Matsuri's voice crashed over him like a wave battering the shore, swallowing him up and leaving him frigid and vulnerable. Slowly, Karamatsu turned to find her standing over him. Something primal snared itself around his heart and wrenched it deep into the pit of his stomach. <laughs>